Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. Alrighty, well, I just want to uh, give it up this morning for Evangelist Dan, who is going to share the word. So would you all give him a warm welcome as he comes on up to share? Come on. Go on, you got to say it, okay? Great! Is that how you're doing? You are. You are. All right. You know, Eliza was just talking about the Holy Spirit being our helper. And, uh, you know, this morning I, I was fumbling around the house and dropped my smartphone on the floor and it lit up, and it started playing some kind of video stuff, and all this information started shooting up, and then this voice came on, it started talking to me, and it said, hi, I am your assistant. I'm here to help you through the day. I'm like, Satan, get behind me. I've already got an assistant, and his name is Jesus. When, from whence comes my help, it comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen? All right. Are you ready to get blessed? You're going to get blessed. It's guaranteed. I don't know if y'all realize this, but all my sermons come with a double your money back guarantee. You're guaranteed to get blessed, amen? Well, if God has anything to do with it, you will. God, I want to say a few things about God. Is that all right? God is infinite in graciousness, mercy, kindness, and love. God is infinite in compassion, wisdom, knowledge, and power. God is infinite in authority, generosity, wealth, beauty, and goodness. God is infinite in perfection, in purity, patience, and righteousness. God is infinite in faithfulness, glory, sovereignty, and majesty. God is infinitely great and infinitely worthy to be praised. He is peace. He is joy. He created all things. He is everywhere. He is the God of perfect justice. He takes our punishment on himself. He answers by fire. He cannot lie. He cannot change. He is zealous and jealous over us. God is infinitely holy. So he's a lot of things and a whole lot more. I keep thinking of more things to add to that list. He's infinitely humble. Amen? If he wasn't, he wouldn't have gone to the cross. He humbled himself to do that. So I want to talk about God's holiness today. Just that one narrow aspect of God. So I have made it clear to you that there's more than that. Amen? Would you like a revelation of his holiness. 
All right. You win the Cupid doll. A revelation of his holiness. We should, we should want that. And when, by the time I'm done with you, you'll find out why you ought to want that. But hopefully you're wanting it now. You will never have the true joy as a Christian believer until you get your head wrapped around some of his holiness. So let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we say yes, Lord, to getting a revelation today of the holiness of God. Evangelist Dan can't give me a revelation, but the Spirit of the living God can. So God, give me eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit of the living God is saying to my mind, to my emotions, to my will, to my body, to my soul, to my spirit. God, just cut loose and fill me with a revelation of the glory of God from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Completely wreck me with this awesome revelation of exactly how holy you really are. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, be glorified. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. The word holy appears in the Bible over 670 times. Imagine if I just stood here and said the word holy 670 times. Man, y'all go leave me and go eat lunch, wouldn't you? Imagine if I read each scripture in the Bible that has the word holy in it. Man, we'd be here for days. That's a lot, 670 times. God is trying to tell us something about himself, amen? We say the word holy in church a lot, especially during praise and worship, just like we did today. Right? We were singing, holy is the Lord. Amen? But, you know, it's easy to just kind of mouth the words without really having the revelation in our minds and in our hearts. What are we actually saying when we say that he's holy? I looked in the dictionary to see what the definition of holy was. Here's a few things I pulled out of there. When we say that God is holy, we're saying that he is extremely pure, according to the dictionary. How's that sound? Pretty good? According to the dictionary, when we say that God is holy, we're saying he is entitled to receive worship. That's pretty good, too. According to the dictionary, when we say that God is holy, we're saying that he is perfect in goodness and righteousness. That's not bad. Also, you know, I I looked at the Old Testament at some scriptures that says God is holy, and then I took that word holy and looked in the concordance at the Hebrew word, and then I looked up that Hebrew word in the lexicon to see what is the definition of that word. And then over in the New Testament, I did the same thing with the Greek. And so here's some things I gleaned from that. When we say that God is holy, we say that he is separate he is clean he is sinless he is upright when we say that God is holy we say that he is worthy to be properly reverenced revered and venerated on account of his incomparable majesty When was the last time you used the word venerate in a sentence? I never have. 
So I had to look it up, and it basically means all the other stuff that we just said. All right, now I want you to visualize something. You know, when Jesus taught, a lot of times he taught in, you know, word pictures and stuff. So, so here's a picture for you. Have you ever seen an electrical substation driving down the road, and you, you see this thing on the side of the road, and there's these high-intensity power lines coming into it, and there's all these gigantic pieces of equipment with all these wires plugged into it, and it's mounted to big blocks of concrete, and there's this giant chain-link fence all around it, and it's got signs posted on it. And it says, danger, keep out, high-voltage, authorized personnel only. Keep that in mind. There's your little word picture. We'll, re we'll refer back to that. All right. What do we have on the screen? Great. All right. If you would, Mariah, take us to the next slide. Leviticus 10, 1 and 2. The electrical substation. Let me tell you something, in case some of you don't know me that well. Every time you see this super handsome face with a microphone in front of it, you're going to get some really good news. So if it sounds like you're getting some bad news, you better brace for some good news because you're going to get so blessed you can hardly stand it. All right. The sons of Aaron each took his censer and put fire in it and put incense on it and offered profane fire, not propane, profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Now, if, if you walked into an electrical substation and you got fried, is it because the electrical substation is in a bad mood? No, you just don't do that. You don't mess with that. These guys had no idea what they were doing. They didn't know what they were messing with. And they just waltzed right on in there into the Holy of Holies and got fried. Next slide. Leviticus 16, 1 and 2. Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron when they offered profane fire before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother not to come at just any time into the holy place behind the veil before the mercy seat which is on the ark, lest he die. For I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. That word for, F-O-R, that's like the word because. That means everything after this word is going to be the explanation or the reason. Why might he die if he go in there? He says, because I will appear. You can't look directly at a holy God with your carnal flesh eyeballs and expect to live. Can't do it. I don't know about you. I'm starting to get the impression that maybe God is extremely dead serious as a heart attack. Holy, holy, holy. What do you think? Are you starting to get the revelation already? You know, we could just close down the whole message right now and just say, that's enough, man. 
Look how holy God is. Wow. But there's more. All right, now we're going to look at Numbers chapter 4, verse 15. More stuff about the tabernacle. This is obviously written before Aaron's sons got fried. And when Aaron and his sons have finished covering the sanctuary and all the furnishings of the sanctuary. So who's, who's covering everything in the sanctuary? Aaron and his sons. That's the high priest. Why are they covering stuff? Because they're getting ready to move the tabernacle. They had to do that once in a while. Right? God says, okay, pick up camp, we're moving. And so they're covering the furnishings. It says, when the camp is all set and ready to go, then the sons of Kohath, those are part of the Levites, shall come to carry them. So that was their job. But they shall not touch any holy thing. What? Lest they die. So that's part of the reason why the things in, in the tabernacle had to get covered. Because if you put your fleshly, corrupt, sinful flesh directly on something that's got God's holy on it, you're not going to live. God is extremely holy. He is holy, holy. He is infinitely holy. You don't put your flesh on something that's holy or you will die. Holy. Likewise, in Numbers chapter 4, verse 20, it says, but they, that's the Kohathites, two men in a truck, they shall not go in even just to watch while the holy things are being covered. What? Lest they die. Think about it. If God is so, so holy that he can just take one little bit of his holy and drop it on an inanimate object like maybe a chair or a table and make that thing so holy that if you just look at it, you'll die, then how holy is God? He is extremely dead serious as a heart attack, extremely I, I don't have enough adjectives to say it. Holy, holy, holy. He's really, really, really. If I said really 10,000 times, would that be enough? No, it wouldn't be, would it? Really holy. All right. Now we're going to look at this from another angle. And this is the reaction of the seraphim. Now, the seraphim are not like us. They've been in heaven all this time. They've never sinned. They have no sinly flesh like we do, Sin sinful flesh like we do. These are holy creatures around the throne of God. How are they reacting to the holiness of God? Because they're, I mean, they are up close and personal around the throne. You can't get any closer. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. 
Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. In the next slide, it says, And one cried to another. And he said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Now, imagine if one of those seraphim flew through the door and came in here, right up here where I'm at, and suppose they said, holy, 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 so loud that it blew the doors off their hinges and the door frames were shaken and the whole building was shaken. It was like an earthquake just from the sound of their voice only. Man, that'd be loud. I don't like that old loud music. Too loud in here. Just wait till you get to heaven. That's... That's just four things flying around the throne making that much noise. You know, I don't have a slide for this, but uh, Revelation 5, 11 through 13. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. And they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders And in a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the seas and all that is in them singing to Him who sits on the throne be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. If you think I'm loud, just wait till you get there. Don't like that loud music. Somebody turn it down. I was back there running the sound the other day. People kept coming back down saying, you need to turn it down. I asked ask, uh, Ava. I put Ava on this. Ava, I know she's back with the kids. I said, Ava, what do you think? She says, I like it. That's loud. Why were they so loud? Because God is so holy. What were they saying? Holy, holy, holy. Now, a lot of you probably back at your house, wherever you live, there's a stove in your kitchen. Stove is a useful thing, right? It's useful. Useful, useful, useful. You can turn that stove on. And you can cook your food. But if you put your hand on it, you'll cook your hand. And when you start cooking your hand, are you going to jump back and begin to shout, useful, useful, useful? (laughs) No. You're probably going to shout something that has something to do with what's going on. 
Hopefully you won't shout anything too bad. But you might shout something like this. Hot! 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 Why? Because that's the one attribute of the stove that's affecting you at that moment. So what are the angels crying? Faithful, faithful. Is that what they're saying? Wonderful, wonderful, beautiful, beautiful, loving, loving. Nope. Nope. Holy, holy. See, they're up close and personal with God. They're getting his holy full strength. Now let's look at the next slide, Revelation chapter 4. This is basically the same thing again. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the, the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. Kids, that's kind of like your mom. <laughs> the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. They never stop. I don't know how long they've been doing that, but I would imagine it would be since the day they were created, which may have been millions, billions, trillions, quadrillions, eons and eons ago and they've been flying around the throne of God all this time it says they do not stop that means that they're still doing it now and they have all these eyes and no matter what angle they turn they're looking straight at God imagine a young mother holding her little baby and that mom she looks at that baby's eyes and the baby smiles and the baby looks up at mom's eyes, and that baby smiles. And mom looks at the baby, and she smiles. And baby looks at mom, and they smile. And they smile, and they just have this little smile fest. But after a while, one of them breaks it off. They don't do that forever. Because have you ever tried to do that with somebody looking straight into their eyes? It's really intimidating. It becomes overwhelming. It gets to the point where somebody has to turn away. But these, these beings flying around the throne of God, man, they're looking straight at God, eyes wide open. No matter how many eyes they got, they're all looking straight at the holiness of God. And they can't turn away. Every time they try to turn, they're still seeing them again. That's really intense. You know, we said that you can't look at holy without dying with our fleshly eyeballs, right? If, if Jesus were to appear right in front of us in all of his glory, we would die. That's why God gives us visions. Like the, the prophet Isaiah, he said, I saw the Lord. No, he didn't. He saw a vision of the Lord, otherwise he would be dead. 
think of it this way. Sometimes every once in a while there's a, there's a solar eclipse, right? You can watch it on TV and you're all right. Or you can take your phone with your camera, you know, and you can point it up there and you can look at the screen and you're okay. But man, if you look straight at that thing, it'll be the last time you looked at anything. God is holy. This is really intense. It reminds me of when I was six years old. This would have been about 1966. And my mom asked me to go out and vacuum the car. I said, okay, mom. She had one of those long canister-type vacuum cleaners, you know. I dragged that thing out there, and I guess there was an outlet in the carport. I plugged it in. On the top of the vacuum cleaner, there was a little chrome button. When you push that button, it goes click, and the vacuum cleaner comes on. So I had it all set up, ready to go, and I went click. And when I did, I discovered that there was a wiring problem. Suddenly, I had 120 volts surging through my six-year-old body, and I let out a scream according to my recollection, which that was a long time ago. But I remember it like this. I just let out a scream and it didn't stop. I don't know how that could be physically possible. But I let out the scream and it was continuous. And my mom came running out of the house and she knocked me off of that vacuum cleaner. The seraphim don't get knocked off the vacuum cleaner. They still got their finger right on the switch. Be careful if Jesus asks you to vacuum out the car for him. <laughs> All right. Now we're going to look at this at yet another angle. This time, we're going to ask the question, what difference does just one sin make when God is holy? Is it that big of a deal? Just one. You know, there was a time in which there had never been a sin anywhere ever. No sin in heaven, no sin in the heavens, no sin on the earth, no sin anywhere. It never happened until one day. Lucifer. So here's Ezekiel 28, verses 12 through 15. Lucifer you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardius, topaz, diamond, barrel, onyx, and jasper, sapphires, turquoise, emerald with gold. The workmanship of your temples and pipes was prepared for you on the day that you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in all your ways from the day you were created. Till iniquity was found in you. Perfect. Lucifer was perfect without any sin at all for eons and eons. He was before the very throne of God. Isaiah chapter 14, 12 through 15. 
How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farther sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. But you, Lucifer, shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. What did Lucifer really do that was so horrible that he only had to do it one time and now he's going to spend his eternity in the lake of fire? What did he do? It says in verse 13, you have said in your heart. He said some things in his heart. That's all it took. And he completely defiled the heavens with just saying something that was the wrong thing in his heart. Well, I do that every day. How about you? Don't we all think things and say things that God would never think or say? We even do things that God would never do on a daily basis. Just one sin. Is it a big deal? Is it a big deal? Yes. Just one. James chapter 2, verse 10. What happens when we sin just one time? You know, there was a day where we did that, where we were just, you know, young and we were not accountable, and then one day we were. Whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble at just one point, he is guilty of all. Just one sin. Just one. And maybe our sin also was like Lucifer's. Maybe you spent your whole life being perfect as if, right? Who could do that? But suppose you did. But one day in a moment of weakness, you slipped, you stumbled. You didn't wake up that morning planning to do that. But before your pillow could, before your head could hit your pillow, you had done it. You had thunk it. Whatever it was. It says now you are a murderer. You're a thief. You're a liar. You're an adulterer. You have broken every law. You have committed every sin. You're guilty of all. It says all means all. Is one sin a big deal? Let me ask the people over here. Is one sin a big deal? Yeah, Yeah, all right. That's the smart people. They're over there. Adam and Eve. What happened with them? One sin. You know how the story goes. Right? Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the snake. And the snake didn't have a leg to stand on. In Genesis chapter 1, God put mankind in charge of this planet. And we opened the door to wars, famines, pestilence, plagues, destruction, poverty, death, addictions, and all manner of horrendous, perverted, and sick wickedness. 
ever since they committed that one sin, and upon every generation since that very day up to this very moment, as I'm preaching this to you now, it has continued. Just one sin. Is one sin a big deal to God? Yes, it is. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 5. The wicked make themselves a stench. That means it stinks. Isaiah 65, verse 5. The Lord says, yet they say to each other, don't come too close or you'll defile me. I'm holier than you are. The Lord says, these people are a stench in my nostrils. An acrid smell that never goes away. God can smell our sin all the way to the highest of heaven. You know, one time I was in a a big deliverance session. It was like a big auditorium, and all these people came to get the devil cast out. And so they had these deliverance ministers up at the front, and whenever one became available, somebody else would come down to get the devil cast out. And, man, they were screaming and barfing. You could hear the demons coming out, and uh, it was pretty wild and crazy. But as I sat in the back of the room and I watched all this, you could smell the sin coming out. Every demon coming out of those people had the smell of their sin on them. You could smell the crack. You could smell the tobacco. You could smell the alcohol. All coming out. Sin stinks. You know, when Jennifer and I, when we first got married, we got some cats. And uh, we kept them in the house. And so if you're going to have cats in the house, you've got to have kitty litter box, right? So if you're outside the house all day long, and then you come home and you open the front door, whammo! Oh, man! But if you've been in the house all day, you know it's not that big of a deal. And that's why I'm preaching this message to you right now. We can get so used to it that we think that our you-know-what doesn't stink. We think it's not that bad. You ever look at something in the news and you're so shocked and you say, how can anyone be that evil? What kind of a human being would do that? And then you look at the news the next day, and somebody's done something ten times worse. And then the next day you look at something, and it's even ten times worse than that. And you've already forgotten about what happened when you look at the news yesterday or the day before. And we're, we're becoming desensitized to sin. God is not desensitized to sin. He is holy Holy, holy, holy. He is holy. He's infinitely holy. He's dead serious as a heart attack. What? Holy. Yes, he is. Isaiah 55, verse 9. The Lord says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. He's saying, I'm not anything like you people. I love you but you stink. That's true, isn't it? Think about, remember the the parable of the prodigal son? 
and he's out taking care of pigs. Pastor Sam can tell you he, he knows firsthand about pigs. Man, when that smell gets on your clothes, you might as well just burn them. I mean, it is a totally revolting smell. And he's out there, you know, taking care of pigs. He finally decides to come home. He didn't, you know, stop off at the Holiday Inn to take a shower. He's stinking to high heaven. He's got flies buzzing around his head. He shows up at the edge of town, and his father looks up from a long distance. And he says, that's my boy. I'm going to go get him. And he runs through town. He hikes up his fancy robes, you know, and shows off his legs. And he runs through town all the way out to the outskirts of his town. And his son is out there going, man, I don't know about this. And his, his father tackles him and starts smooching all over him. He doesn't care about the flies. He doesn't care about the smell. He just cares about us. Amen? 1 Corinthians 3.16 Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Whoa, wait a minute. In light of everything we've been talking about today, good grief. How can the Spirit of God live in me and I don't burn up like Aaron's sons? What happened to the electrical substation situation? God is going to live in me? How can that be? Well, the answer is on the next slide. Hebrews 10, verse 19. We can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Somebody give the Lord a shout in this place. Man, well, that changes everything. The blood of Jesus. Now, I've been playing a trick on you all day. You thought this message was about the holiness of God, but it's really about the blood of Jesus. The power of the blood of Jesus allows us to be in the most holy place there is. Right up there, you can't get any more holy than the place where the seraphim were flying around the Lord's head. Amen? We can go there. It's going to be a good day. That's why it says boldly. Right? Not timidly. Remember Esther? You ever read the book of Esther? She's like, I'm not sure if I can go into the throne room because the king might have me put to death. You don't go in there without an invitation. She wasn't too sure about that. She went on in anyway because she felt she had no choice. Turned out that the king was glad to see her. And when we go before the throne of God... He's always glad to see us. Amen? And, you know, the king said to Esther, I'll give you up to half my kingdom. But Jesus says to his church, Fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the whole kingdom. Amen? Because we're the bride. We get it all. Next slide, 1 John four seventeen. This is so awesome. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. I'm going to stop right there and just make sure we don't gloss right over that. Boldness means you can go in with a smile on your face. You know 
that it's all going to be okay. There's not going to be a problem here. You know, our son Daniel, he lives in our house still. And he can come boldly before my refrigerator in the kitchen. And he can clean the whole thing out. And we're like, man, you can have at it. Man, I think I had like 10 pounds of beef in there. I said, you can just eat it all. It's all right. Boldness. Why? Well, the last part says because. Because what? Because as he is, that's what we've been talking about all morning. How is he? He is what? That was one. That was two. Amen. He's holy, holy, holy. He's dead serious as a heart attack, dangerously, deadly holy. He's scary holy. And as he is, so are we. Right now, in this world, while you're still breathing air on this side of heaven, because of the blood of Jesus. Amen? Somebody give the Lord a hand in this place. Thank you, Jesus. 1 Peter 1.9 says the reward for trusting Jesus will be the salvation of your souls. How do you get that holy as God is? How can you be as holy as God is? Because you just put your trust in Jesus. I'm reminded of Pastor Sam's dad. He spent his whole life rejecting Jesus. And Sam gave it one last try. And then he accepted Jesus. He just prayed with Sam. Jesus, I trust you with my eternity. I know you're, you're going you're gonna to catch me when I fall into your arms. He put his trust in him. Trust. Trust. That means you don't have it figured out, but you know it's going to work out. Think about if you ever got on a commercial airline. And right, and there's that corridor before you step in to the, to the plane. Those of you who just went to Africa and back, you know what I'm talking about. And you've got to decide, if I step in there, and I go get seated and they take off, am I going to be okay? You know, there's a lot of things that could go wrong with an airplane. I saw a news article a few days ago about they had to drag off a pilot because he was drunk. Saw an article about, you know, somebody that, you know, their plane had to turn around and go back because they had engine failure. There's a lot of things that go wrong. But you're saying, nope, I don't care. I'm not going to try to figure it out. I'm just going to get on this plane. And you just take your feet and you step into it, and there you are. You've decided to trust the plane. How much more can we trust Jesus than a plane? It's a step that you take. It's just trust. It's not rocket science. You're not trying to figure out anything. You're not trying to figure out if the plane is going to crash or not. You're just getting on. You've decided to trust. And that's what Pastor Sam's dad did. He just decided to trust. We have a lot to celebrate, don't we? 
the next time that you sing a song and it's got holy in it, you might have a little something better in mind than you had before. Amen? Because you are as holy as God is right now if you're washed in the blood. Amen? Would you stand up with me? And I have a declaration for you. In each one of these slides at the top, it's going to say, because of the blood of Jesus. You ready for this? Are you awake? Almost. All right, repeat after me. Because of the blood of Jesus. My spirit is as extremely holy as God. Man, that was a lot right there, wasn't it? Man. But we got more. Because of the blood of Jesus. All my sins are taken away. As far as the east is from the west. Because of the blood of Jesus. My spirit is washed as clean and white. And pure as the driven snow. Because of the blood of Jesus. My spirit is the righteousness of God. Because of the blood of Jesus. My spirit is full of goodness. Because of the blood of Jesus. My spirit is sanctified. Because of the blood of Jesus. My spirit is spotless. Because of the blood of Jesus. My spirit is blameless. Because of the blood of Jesus. My spirit is completely innocent. Because of the blood of Jesus. My spirit cannot sin. Because of the blood of Jesus. My spirit is perfected forever. Because of the blood of Jesus. I am the temple of the Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit. And he lives inside of me. Because of the blood of Jesus. I can come boldly. Confidently. Before the very throne of God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Great. All right, y'all sit down. I'm not done with you yet. What are you doing? So now we know that God is extremely holy. And we know that our spirit is as extremely holy as God is right now because of the blood of Jesus on us.
But what about our very imperfect carnal flesh that wants to do everything that God does not want? How do we respond to the holiness of God in our flesh? You see, that's, that's what the prophet Isaiah, he had to deal with that. So we're going to go back now to Isaiah chapter 6 and pick up where we left off just for a minute. And uh, here's his reaction when he had this vision of the holiness of God. He said, woe is me for I am unclean. I am undone. Should the holiness of God mess with us a little bit? Yeah. And he says, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips. See, he's starting to realize some things. He's been before the holiness of God. He's had an experience and a revelation of the holiness of God. Suddenly, he's starting to realize some things about himself. And he's starting to realize some things about everything that surrounds him. He's like, man, this stinks. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord. Right? The Lord, this whole time, he's just been sitting there being holy. Now that the Lord opens his mouth and has something to say to Isaiah. And he has something to say to us right now. Who will go for us? Who shall I send? What should our response be? Here I am, Lord. Send me. You know, there was a little girl that she had a string of plastic pearls. And she loved those plastic pearls. She played with those things every day. She liked to wear them to the grocery store and everywhere she went. She was proud of those plastic pearls. One day her daddy says, would you give those to me? She's like, daddy, you're silly. I'm not going to give you my plastic pearls. These are mine. But every day he kept asking her, how about now? Would you give me those pearls right now? She kept saying, no, daddy. No, you can't have it. You can't have it. Day after day after day. Week after week, he kept asking her. She kept saying no. One day, she finally said, you know what, Daddy? I think you love these pearls more than I do. You can have them. And she pulled them off, and she handed those plastic pearls to her daddy. He says, you just wait right here. I'll be right back. He comes back and hands her this little white box. She opens it up, and inside was a string of real pearls. How long do we hold on to things that don't matter, things that have no value, things that are worthless, things that don't produce any fruit for God, things that are just fake? They're counterfeit. They're not the real thing. And all the time, Jesus has the real thing for us. If we would just let go, Would we let go? What are the plastic pearls in your life? 
What is it that you spend all your time and all your money on that has nothing to do with the kingdom of God? Why do you spend all your energy on that, that brings no glory to God at all? What are those things that you're so into? Will you be like Isaiah? Will you say, send me, Lord, I will go for you. He was willing to get up and walk away from everything. I'm sure he had a few plans in mind before he had that encounter, but that changed his whole life. Think about Jordan and Rebecca. Where are they now? In Oman. They have walked away from everything in their life because they wanted to go wherever the Lord sent them. How about you? You know, you don't have to go real far. Just go where Jesus says. If he says, go take care of the kids in the morning, then go do that. Whatever it is, go. Amen? One time I, I preached a, a, a message about, about the gospel, about preaching the gospel, about sharing your faith, and I brought with me a concordance, one of those big, thick books. It's, you know, it's like four inches thick, and you open it up, and every page is... The, the print is so fine, I need a magnifying glass just to read it. It's worse than the phone book. Remember those? And, uh, and when you turn to the page that says go, all the references in the Bible to the word go, this is two columns on each page of references to go, 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 go. And it's just pages and pages and pages and pages and pages and pages. I think God's trying to tell us something. What has he sent you to do? Will you go for him? Will the, a revelation of the holiness of God change your life? Or will you just go eat lunch? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the holy anointed word of God. Your word changes us from the inside out. We thank you for the power of the word, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing between soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Jesus, we say yes to you. Make the changes in my heart. Give me the power to say yes to you wherever you've called me to go. Whatever you've called me to do, even if it's just something really not spectacular, something very thankless, something that no one but you can see me doing for you. Jesus, have your way in my life, have your way in my heart, and take this revelation of the holiness of God and burn it into my mind, burn it into my soul. Burn it into my spirit. Change my life with it. Don't let me ever depart from your word. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.